You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Mr. Green, you are listening to the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast, and this is the WOW Season 2 Episode 1 Review. Now, the first thing I have to say just, just on that alone is you may notice that I said Season 2, and yet in some of the previous reviews that are on our channel, there's already a Season 2 review available. Yeah, the first noticeable thing there is that Access TV does not recognize those previous seasons that WOW had. Uh, which, you know, quite frankly doesn't bother me in the least just because I said then, it's like it's, it's a little ridiculous to be addressing a season or trying to hold some sort of continuity to a season that took place over 15 years, well at the time, 15 years ago, as a, because of the huge hiatus that they had there. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So as far as the, uh, the continuity of Access TV is concerned, it is picking up with season one last year, season two now, anything that took place outside of that. Yes, it does connect to the uh, history of, and the mythology of WOW, but as far as Access TV is concerned, uh, that is not part of their season's lineup. So, so that's one of the, the, the real big first notable thing that I, that I saw. Uh, I, I guess the full disclosure here, I, I did watch the, um, the episode that I'm reviewing now about a, a week ago, even though I'm releasing it today. <laughs> I, I was fortunate to kind of get the chance to see a screener for it, but because of, of uh, their rules, you cannot release any reviews for things that have not been publicly issued until the public has had a chance to see that as well. So, as it is, we are going to talk over the the, uh, the WOW episode that I got a chance to see now that the, uh, the world has caught up to it. So, uh, hopefully you've had a chance to sit down and watch that as well. Uh, for those that are you looking at it on Sling TV or something of that nature, maybe you had a chance to look at it on VOD. If you have not looked at the, the episode yet, please be aware that there are spoilers. There's spoilers ahead that you may not uh, uh, want to hear in case uh, you're looking for some sort of surprise. So you have been warned. In any case, Let's get into it, folks. And, and remember, uh, please, 
leave your statements and comments below wherever you happen to be listening to this uh, so we can get our dialogue on about uh, how good or bad that you felt like WoW was or did you enjoy it and whatnot. Uh, I, I will start saying that I enjoyed most of this. This, this was a, a good episode. One thing that you cannot take away from WoW superheroes is the production value that has been applied to the show since they've come back. One That has uh, been one of the hallmarks that I've said um, since they have gotten into this incarnation of it. Particularly if you were uh, a viewer of WoW, I know that there's several people now that have no idea what the first WoW uh, episodes looked like. And if you don't, I'm sure that it, it is not what they want to be advertised, but I, I'll just say that you can, uh, you can go online and you can find basically every episode of the first incarnations of WoW there. And if you see those that take place in the Great Western Forum and then you look at it now, you know, we can address the obvious things that the technology's changed. There's probably a better production value just, just over the course of a decade or so that you can apply to any TV show for probably relatively uh, half the cost that you would have done in 2000 and 2001. But, but that aside, I mean, it, it looks great. It looks great being in the, um, in the Belasco Theater. Um, I, I always felt like that was a little bit of a, a get and get from what some indie companies have done. You know, find, find a location that's small, that's intimate, that looks really good on camera, that you can utilize, you know, for your for your production and, and WoW did that. So that that is a that is one of the first things that I have to point to as far as the aesthetics of the look. One of the other things is the uh, the booth two-man booth. I'm not, I wasn't last season, and I'm not now a fan of a three-person booth. And lo and behold, it has been changed to a two-person booth. It is now simply David McLean and Stephen Dickey, which I love. I love that so much more than the three-person booth. And with all due respect to, I forget what her real name is, I think Eleanor, but uh, if I'm saying it wrong, she used to be portrayed as Easy Rider on the, uh, again, the first incarnations of WoW. Uh, not that Easy did anything wrong in being a part of the three-person booth. It's just, it, it felt like it was, it, it was unnecessary. Like, you know, for what reason do we have this third person here? Easy Rider was there to basically be the heel announcer and, and provide, I guess, the funny remarks here or there. But it, it, it just felt like an unnecessary function. And, and more so than that, it felt like, hey, the WWE's doing it, so we all have to do it. And I, I just did not get that. It's like, we, we don't need to kind of follow the trend here. You guys, you know, they, you control your own universe. You can do what you want to do. And it seems as if that is uh, kind of what they have pushed towards now. So we got a two-person booth. It is much more digestible. And, and, uh, and having that. They have a new open for the show. 
Of course, Dave McLean is still always there, and he's still always doing his thing. Welcome to Wow, you know the the whole spiel that he does. I mean, he he's been doing that for years now, and, I, and as long as he's walking, talking, breathing, and has a voice, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to continue to do that. In fact, I think he did that ever since like Glow. So go figure. Uh, <clears throat> the show opens up. With Tessa Blanchard being introduced by David McClain, uh, of course, Tessa being Tessa and being the wild champion, uh, talks herself up, as she is very good at doing. I, I don't think there's any doubt that Tessa Blanchard is a uh, very accomplished young lady in, in and out of the ring, really, but of course, certainly inside the ring, she's, she's very accomplished. Uh, <clears throat> Even if she does split her time between WOW and Impact as far as a national television wrestling platform is concerned, here she is the world's champion. She is uh, bragging about the fact that she's the world champion, but in doing so, she has more or less invited, for lack of a better term, her opponents out there to the ring. Those being the Beast, who is now... Uh, how can we say it? I, I guess she's kind of positioned as a, maybe an anti-hero. That might be the best way to, to put that in because she, she's not a heel, but she's, she's not really drawing the the, uh, the ire of the fans. You know, they, they, they like her. And, um, and she really isn't doing anything to, to, uh, for them not to enjoy who she is and why she's there, but she interrupts. And uh, that is followed by Jungle Girl interrupting. That is followed by Havoc, who is, uh, I guess, now known as Havoc, the monster of madness. Uh, Havoc, when she comes in, first let's rewind this a little bit. When Jungle Girl and, and the Beast come out, of course that creates tensions and uh, Tessa Blanchard tries to excuse herself. When she walks away, she essentially walks into a brick wall known as Havoc. Havoc comes around and <clears throat> Borla walks her back towards the ring. So now we have all four in the ring. A, uh, a three-way race for top contender. And uh, Tessa is, is more or less saying, hey, um, you figure it out. You figure out who's the number one contender. That sets up a three-way elimination match for the main event. <clears throat> Man, that was something. Anyway. So there we go. We got we got this set up for a three-way elimination match for the main event. Um, I, I definitely have to talk about that. I don't know if I agree with that in total. But well, let's go in order here. Don't want to get ahead of myself. So the second segment and the first match, Jesse Jones versus Fire. Anybody that's on this channel listening to this review will know Jesse Jones as Jesse Bell Smothers. If you're uh, familiar with Fire, you know her as Kara Hogan. <clears throat> Both of which are pretty accomplished. And if you're not aware who the ring announcer is, the ring announcer is Shaul Guerrero, former developmental talent in uh, WWE, and of course the uh, daughter of the late Eddie Guerrero and uh, Vicky Guerrero. Vicky's still alive. She's not late. Uh, <clears throat> but... Jesse Jones, 
clearly working heel here. And uh, more or less using the Trump phrase, I'm going to make wrestling great again. So uh, considering the location that she's at and that she's using that phrase, uh, probably, you know, and, and, and the uh, context of the crowd, probably not going to get her any cheers and not going to endear her to the audience. <clears throat> I'm sure somewhere across the country that they're probably very fine with it, but let's understand for the audience at large, she is using that to be a heel. And again, I know there's some fans out there that are like, "What's she doing wrong?" <clears throat> using the using the catchphrase, but you know that they, they're doing that based on where she is and who she's talking to. So she is uh, still leading this campaign that she started last season. That I'm going to make Rustin great again, <clears throat> and. Jesse was then and is now a great promo. I saw that a couple of years ago when she was at a live show. I'm seeing it now. I certainly hope that they do not script anything for her. I think that, you know, it feels very um, organic when she comes out there. She does her, her, her speeches on the mic and then when she, you know, when she's doing her, when she's, she's being the, uh, <clears throat> the the heel that I know that she can be, but um, she, she delivers this promo, get get under the skin of the fans before we have uh, the match in and of itself. And I, I will say that the, the commentating came off to me as a little better, a lot less puns. That was that was always one of the things that I <laughs> that I remember. With uh, the, the the commentating team last season, that it was it was always very pun heavy, you know. It got it, it fires in the ring. You got to say something flame related and things like that. So so I think they got away from some of that. It's like ah, she's on fire and, and watch her burn and you know stuff like that. It it, it just came off. I was like, okay, we we can have a normal normal match with normal commentary. Is is not going to kill the gimmick of the show. So that 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 felt good hearing that. <laughs> Jesse works over the arm throughout most of the match. Again, man, you know Smothers. Uh, well, uh, excuse me, Jesse Jones in in this case is a very solid wrestler, and I don't think you could expect anything less from her as a wrestler. Her being second generation and whatnot, uh, she she works a very solid match. And it's very easy to tell what she is trying to do. I am working on the arm. I am damaging the arm. And I am going to destroy this to the point that you cannot take it anymore. Which is what she did. She she worked on fires. Even though there was a, a flurry in there at some point in time, uh, Jesse Jones ultimately wins with a submission through the arm bar and uh, forces fire to tap out. Uh, cannot expect anything bad here. Can't you cannot walk into this match expecting between the two of them? You cannot expect anything bad between Jesse Jones and Fire. They they're both too good in the ring for that to occur. Uh, so you got what you you know if you're looking at this, you you got what you would should have expected is what I need to say. And uh, they they delivered. Uh, the next segment was a uh, vignette, very well produced, very well done. 
purpose of the vignette is to reintroduce a cast member or a roster member to the public. Last season, when she was introduced, she was uh, introduced as Azteca. And it was a profile essentially showing her transition into Reyna Reyes. I think I'm saying that. Reyna Reyes. And uh, she has now removed the mask and the headdress uh, to uh, become this new persona. Again, very very well done. You can't can't go wrong with the production that they they, they do with WoW. Almost very cinematic. And uh, I enjoyed that a lot of the people that you have now, uh, they do come on without the, uh, uh, how can I put it, um, they're not trying to pass them off as, hey, you know, this is who this person was, and, you know, she's, 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 uh, you know, a living, breathing cartoon character, you, you know, you know what I mean, that, and, and I, I say that because, you know, last, I was going to say last year, but uh, years ago is what I what I meant to say. In, in the original incarnation of Wild, they, they, they kind of did that. It's like these people just leapt off of a, a, a cartoon or out of a, the, the pages of a comic, and there is no history underneath them before that. But here they... they they humanized uh, Reyes a bit. Um, I cannot pronounce her, her real name. I know she's a, a Filipino wrestler. She, she's another one who uh, has a wrestling background. Uh, Shaw was a... I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that right. But if you go to her, her Twitter, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's uh, G-I-S-E-L-E Shaw S-H-A-W-8 I mean, zero eight. That is who she is, and you, you can see her outside of her her wow get up because you know I'm I'm a I'm a big proponent of the fact that I don't mind them uh, grabbing wrestlers or, or people who want to be wow girls and training them up for the task. But uh, she, much like many of them, have begun their wrestling career outside of wow, and I and. I do think that needs to be addressed and, and pointed out from time to time that there are a significant amount of, of young ladies who started their careers outside of that. Uh, in much the same way I would do with WWE or Impact Wrestling or Ring of Honor, NWA, so on and so forth, <clears throat> I think you have to uh, show, show their background a little bit. And even though, even though that in the transition from Azteca to Reina Reyes, they did not go into her uh, personal background as, hey, you know, uh, I was just L. Shaw. I'm, 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 taking a, I'm taking a shot in the dark and, and, and uh, I apologize for butchering her name. But uh, even though they don't go into that specific uh, background. I like the fact that every once in a while they'll acknowledge it. Of course, you have podcasts like mine and reviews like mine that'll go a little bit further. But they, but they, they do give some credit where credit is due, and I, and I like that. Um, <clears throat> going into the uh, the next segment, following that. Oh, and and by the way, the mask and the headdress are removed. So Azteca as a character has been retired, and we we got Raina. Okay, so 
Uh, segment four, the history of women's tag team wrestling. Again, it, it, this was a, a very nice uh, production. I appreciate this, especially considering I know that they had almost no access to footage. The WWE owns basically every piece of footage that they could have used to kind of illustrate this. I mean, now I'm sure there's some tape or film or some other promotion that may have some, under, you know, hidden in a vault somewhere or somebody's house or in the basement, who knows. But considering what they were trying to do as an editor, I can appreciate the, the effort that they put in. Uh, the only thing that I, I, that I kind of disagreed with in here, and again, you know, them doing the history of tattoo wrestling here, I thought was, was very nice, very well done. I only agreed with that they somewhat allude to while being within the same lineage as some of the tag teams that you're talking about as, as they relate to the NWA and the WWE tag team champions. Um, it's still not bad. I would have I preferred a, a slightly different presentation uh, because, you know, uh, it is left open to interpretation. And if you're not aware of some of those things ahead of time, you could, I mean, let, let's say that you're a new fan and you have no idea who uh, Princess Victoria is and, and um, gosh, I can't remember her uh, a tag team partner right now. Well, I guess you better watch the segment, but because <laughs> it's because it's kind of alluded to me. But they they um they they talked about a lot of them. It'll, it'll come to me later. Princess Victoria. They talked about Lalani Kai and um and uh, 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 Judy Martin, her tag team partner, the Glamour Girls. Um, uh, I think uh, May Young. They, they they addressed in there. They talked about almost everybody under the sun that has ever been in, you know, well, no, let, let, me, let me not say that. That's not true. They talked about the major names of women's wrestling who were in part uh, of tag teams. And in doing that, they, they addressed, uh, uh, I think, Sue Green and uh, Wendy Richter, and, and they, they, they just kind of went up the, the, um, the timeline. And uh, Velvet uh, Velvet McIntyre, that's what I was thinking about, Velvet McIntyre. And I, and I should have known that because she, I remember her putting on one of the, the great performances, I think, at, at one of the first Survivor Series. And why she didn't win was just disappointing, but she she was fantastic in that in that first Survivor Series match. Looked great. I mean, she's just, just a statuous redhead, you know, great shape, all that. Because, you know, she was super athletic. And, and how she managed to work in bare feet was just ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm still amazed by any wrestler that goes out and works barefoot. But uh, in any case, um, nice presentation. As I stated, I do feel that uh, it, without you walking into it, this is what I was going with. I, I know I got off track. I, I do feel like if, if you walk into it as a new viewer and you're not explained to that this is not all the same thing, that you could basically... Leave that video assuming that, oh, well, all of these had the same championship or, or something like that, which is not true. Okay, so I, I, it needs to be clarified that they are speaking of different incarnations of championship as it relates to tag team uh, women's wrestling. Now, granted, 
some of those tag team uh, championships did morph and then get bought out and things like that over the over the course of time, as, as in the uh, World's Heavyweight Championship. So I, I get it. Some of those kind of went from one location to the next, and, and there was no really home base for it up until the WWE bought, well, the WWF at the time, <coughs> excuse me, bought it, and it became exclusive to them. But before that, um, and they, they were in the NWA and, and elsewhere, uh, the WWE got a hold of it, as I just said. Uh, the, the years that they talk about the Glamour Girls, part of that existed within the LPWA, which is the Ladies Professional Wrestling Association, uh, another one of the uh, great women's organizations that was really 20 years ahead of its time. I need to do a full discussion on that because that, that organization does deserve it, but that's not here nor there. And then they kind of ended off, well, they kind of uh, rolled that into Cage Heat. Cage Heat being the the um, standard bearer for what tag team wrestling was in WoW. Although, I think Cage Heat only really has, when you look at the, the scope of them, maybe three or four tag team def- defenses, period. <laughs> you know, and, and we're talking about from 2000 to... 2016, so so even though that they are the uh, the standard for them, and 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 certainly you don't want to take anything away from them because Cage Heat at one point was a hallmark in both incarnations of WoW, both past and present. Um, they don't have a lot of tag team uh, uh, history underneath them per se as as relates to those titles, but. You, you can't do a history of tag team wrestling segment in the wild and not include them. The editing was superb. <clears throat> Next segment, The Disciplinarian. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorites, even though, you know, uh, I'm not entirely familiar, I'm not going to say familiar with it. <clears throat> when I say one of my favorites, I'm talking about her, uh, her indie incarnation, Robin Reed. She's, she's a... Really a, a, a wonderful woman. Uh, had her on the show twice. Uh, great to talk to. Uh, and, and just <clears throat> does a fantastic job of being a disciplinary. She has thrown herself into this character. And the fact that she is a uh, teacher, and, and it's, no, it's no secret that she is a teacher in, in real life, it, it, just, it just makes it all the better. It, it is so entertaining for me to see her do her, her stick. And uh, she comes out with Samantha Smart, who is her manager in this um, in this program, and she is taking on the debuting Sassy Massey. I will start right there and say I am not a fan of that name. <laughs> Sassy Massey is Alicia Edwards. Some people, wow, ah, just bump the microphone. You know, Sassy Massey is the is Alicia Edwards from Impact Wrestling, or some people would know her mostly from Impact Wrestling, but you certainly would know her as uh, <clears throat> on the independent circuit and the wife of Eddie Edwards. Uh, <clears throat> I try not to get on the names that are used inside of uh, Wow, but I will. <laughs> I have to go on record. And say, I do not like that sassy, massy name. It sounds stupid. But, <laughs> but 
It does not negate the talent that uh, Alicia Edwards has underneath her. And that they're, they're playing up the aspect of her character. And I and, and that that in and of itself is, is fine because this is what you're supposed to do. You know, they, they, you take a little segment of who this person is and you play it up for the, uh, the big screen. <clears throat> the big screen. I'm talking like she's in the movie. Um, you play it up for the show. You know, she's a Boston native, so they, they are, you know, doing the Boston thing, and they're making her sassy, and I guess they wanted something that sounded, you know, kind of had a little rhyme to it, I assume. So that's how you got sassy, sassy. Uh Same rules apply to this match as it did to set the uh, Jesse Jones and Fire match. How, how can you have a bad match between these two? Um, I, I just... I, I can't see it. Between, between the two of them, you know, we, we got two more names that that have come off the, the independence, two names who have had incredible matches elsewhere. So when you see them on a large scale, on a nationwide product, they're already polished, they're ready to go, and they're delivering the goods. Uh, Massey wins the match with a sunset flip, well, what she turns into a sunset flip. So despite the physical mismatch, and you can see it, you know, uh, the disciplinarian is is uh, physically larger. And I don't mean like, you know, like big, I mean she's like taller <clears throat> and, and, and more domineering in, in terms of stature. But uh, it, it was a roll-up, the match made sense, you know, she pulled this win out of the blue, despite, again, despite the physical mismatch. Uh, Samantha Smart... Uh, I haven't seen a lot out of out of her, you know, beyond, you know, she does the typical manager stuff, like, hey, I got to interfere, I'm going to choke you out and yell at the fans and stuff like that. But I haven't really got the chance to see her uh, cut a promo for her, her person or, you know, you know, do the interview for her and, you know, all that good stuff. Be, be the manager that, you know, that you can be. Uh, you know, managers... Back in the day, you know, I guess you have to add that into it now. You know, your job was, you know, pretty simple. It was interfere, hand stuff, do the talking for them, you know, and, and take the embarrassment that your your charge is not supposed to take. You know, the, the manager took the pantsing so that their person didn't have to. The manager took the, 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 the uh, humiliation. And I'm sure that that's probably not something that they want to do. I'm, I'm just, you know, stating a historical kind of thing that the managers did. Uh, you know, Jim Cornette took the, the, the cake in the face so that the Midnight Express didn't have to do it. Bobby Heenan had to get into the weasel outfit so that his boys didn't have to do that. Jimmy Hart was the one that got his hair cut and water dumped on his head so that so his honky-tonk man didn't have to. So, I'm... So Samantha Smart, even I mean, we're talking about this, and uh, this is the first episode. But I will apply this to every manager. I'm not saying that she has to be humiliated and whatnot. But one of the things that made the managers like that is that they got so much heat in their own way that you wanted to see them get their comeuppance. They weren't just, you know, being part of the package is one thing. But seeing them get theirs in some way, shape, or form was another. Like the old, hey, if I win, I get five minutes along with the manager, that type of thing. 
So it, it, I, I say all of this to say that it would be nice to get to that point, and uh, hopefully that does happen. I mean, we got we got several episodes. They got they got a full extension of the season. I forget. I think they do like twenty four episodes this season. So I mean, hopefully it'll lead to that or something thereof eventually. Uh, we got tag team series starting up. Same rules apply with um, the uh, the match being covered really by a lot of talented people. So you can't really go wrong here. Um, it starts with the Psycho Sisters, Razor Fury and Mesmero, who's, who's I guess the, the, the third act uh, being kind of tacked on to this. So we got a, a three-person team. All, time will tell whether they apply the Freebird rule or not. I don't know. And, and I guess they would have to be the tag team champions for that to really make sense, I guess, for, for the uh, viewing public. Versus Princess Ozzy and who we talked about earlier, Reyna Reyes. Um, I went into this match guessing who who would go over, and uh, just because of the way that it was set up, you know, you got you had the Psycho Sisters come out, and they they immediately get on the mic and they talk about how bad they are, this, that, and the other, and and, uh, and again, if you listen to this, you already watched it. So, spoiler, I went in guessing the Psycho Sisters were going over solely based on them doing that. Uh, it, it, not that it ruined the match for me, but it, it did, in my view, give it away. I was like, okay, that, that pretty much waving a flag at me and who's winning this match. Uh, again, what I was saying before is that the same rules apply to uh, Jesse Jones and Fire and, and the disciplinarian Sassy Massey. You got a match here that's pretty well covered by ladies who are all trained and know what they're doing. Uh, Princess Aussie wrestles outside of uh, the Wildverse, as does her partner, who we talked about before. The Psycho Sisters, um, Razor and Fury, who were the participants in the match. Both wrestle, uh, one as Sarah Wolf, the other as uh, uh, who we know as Harlow Hara. But uh, yeah, the, the, the other who we know as Harlow O'Hara, uh, we had her on the channel before. We had the, uh, the, the well, both really the, as the uh, as a wrestler and an interviewee. So uh, it, it's been very entertaining uh, to watch this match. And as I said, it, it, it there was no real big surprise here. Uh, I was a little shocked, however, about them selling Cage Heat merchandise in the middle of the match, which. Cage Heat made zero appearances here, and by all accounts, I'm not even sure if they're going to make any appearances within the course of the season. I mean, maybe that'll change. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> the match was good. I, there, there is a little portion of this that I, I, I didn't necessarily uh, agree with. One, it seems as if after the, the first off, the Psycho Sisters win. Surprise, surprise. But uh, it's, it looked as if Fury was holding the tights. It wasn't even acknowledged in the commentary or in the replay, so I'm, I'm not sure uh, where that was going. And also, no teams were revealed for the tournament. I mean, we know that there's a tag team tournament going on. We know that we're lining up for the uh, you know the unveiling of who's going to be the next set of wild tag team champions. <clears throat> but uh, no team within the course of this was released or no brackets or anything like that was was talked about. I mean, I, 
I suppose not releasing that would give you some sort of leeway if things don't go right or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I, I, I personally prefer knowing who it is. I mean, it's like looking at the NBA Finals or, you know, the March Madness or, you know, you, you're looking at the practice for the Super Bowl. I, I, I do, even though I'm not a super sports guy, I enjoy a sports feel. I'll put it that way. So I, I would have liked to have seen them do something along those lines. And you now, even if they just show the the teams on on screen, you know, if, if, if they didn't show the brackets, even if they just kind of went down and say, "And the tag team tournament is on," and as you got a little voiceover, you got the teams kind of pop up on the screen, the different pairs, and who's going to win, folks, and blah blah blah. I would have I would have enjoyed that a little bit you know more as, as a kind of a uh, a full circle for the tattooing thing because you know like again again we talked about the history of tattooing wrestling we go into the first match we we only see the two so you know it, it, in that regard it felt a little incomplete to me uh, the match itself was enjoyable but I would have liked a little bit more. Our uh, next segment was a video recap of the main event scene where we're talking about all the competitors, the, uh, the three of them that are going to be going into what is clearly explained as a triple threat elimination match, which by the nature of that match gets rid of disqualifications. Now, I bring that up because of how the match ended. Um, so let's go into it. It's the main event, Havoc, the Beast, Jungle Girl. The Beast, throughout the entirety of this show, is probably the only uh, wild girl who was trained from the ground up as a wild girl. Even Jungle Girl. I know some people out there are like, well, what about Jungle Girl? Jungle Girl, Erica Porter, did wrestle outside of the Wildverse at some point in time. So she, <clears throat> she didn't keep it going for years like some might have hoped, or you know, like even she hoped. She, you know, she talked about it in the uh, in the interviews that we had. But uh, she did have some some um, training outside of that. And I said it before, and I said it again. Jungle Girl looks phenomenal. She's a physical marvel, uh, just in magnificent shape. Um, so we got those three, and I like the fact that. Each of the three are able to put the other in jeopardy. As I said before, you see Beast. Beast is, is, uh, looks like a powerhouse. Uh, Havoc is, is just, you know, she's tall and she's large. Not saying that as an insult, just, you know, calling the obvious here. And Jungle Girl, again, you know, physical marvel. So all of them just, just they look fantastic. And each looks as if they could put the next person in jeopardy somehow or another. Tessa Blanchard, of course, comes out and she sits ringside and she's um, <clears throat> alongside with uh, McClain and Dickie. Of course, here, in this context, a three-person booth works because you got Champion who is looking to scout uh, their challenger or challengers. So, <clears throat> the Beast, as I stated Earlier, somewhat of an anti-hero. I think the fans enjoy her. Of course, they obviously enjoy Jungle Girl. The clear and obvious heel in this particular matchup was Havoc. Um, 
uh, one thing I didn't really care for here, and then, you know, it was the narrative. And I love Jungle Girl, absolutely love her, love her. But I don't like the narrative that they keep trying to apply to her. Like, and she was undefeated for 18 years. That's absurd. And I say it's absurd because here again, you're talking about a massive hiatus that is evident to anybody that has followed WOW. And by bringing up you had an 18-year undefeated streak, it only points out the fact that you had a hiatus. So, I mean, it would be like saying, I'm undefeated in boxing, which is true. I am undefeated in boxing, but I haven't boxed. So, so it's, it's the truth, but it's a truth with a, with a twist on it. I, I don't necessarily like that. Without, if I if it were me and if I were writing that, I would have said you know the same thing. I would have, I wouldn't have tacked on a year to it. I, I think that's probably the best way that I could have presented that because a Jungle Girl had been beaten in the first incarnation of Wow. Uh, she was defeated by Terry Gold in, in her first championship match. Following that, she never lost. And I would have gone with that. I was like, you know, Jungle, <clears throat> Jungle Girl, ever since her first championship match, had never lost a match here at WOW, period. I would have ended it with that. Trying to add on this idea that she hadn't been beaten in almost 20 years makes it absurd. Because she hadn't wrestled in, in that length of time. Granted, when she came back, she still was, she was fantastic. She looked amazing. She she still delivers uh, a great match. Uh, but you know, again, to me, is is kind of like waving a red flag, and anybody that would that has a computer in front of them would turn around like, now wait a minute, how is she how is she undefeated for eighteen years? Well, because you you know there was there was no wrestling there for for eighteen years. That that's why. But uh, but it's not to say that she does not deserve the narrative of being a tough competitor or undefeated within the wild verse. That much I agree with. I agree with that they should present her as the big. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead. The, the big dog in, in the yard there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a Roman Reigns line. That's right, folks. I I took a Roman Reigns line. That they should present her as that because Jungle Girl is the legacy. She's the legacy act within WOW. She's the legacy wrestler. And as far as that concerned, matter of fact, I, I would even go the extra mile and say that you can almost present her as the legend in, in the WOW. For, for that reason alone, I, I would give her another championship reign. And, and I'm getting off into, you know, kind of wish, fantasy booking here. But for that reason alone, I would give her another championship reign because she's the legacy of, of WOW. She, she should be presented as such. She should be presented as, hey, I've been doing this a long time and, and, I'm, and I'm great at it. There's a reason that I'm here. There's a reason that I, that I still perform at a high level. Because I deliver, and I perform beyond the, the the means of a normal human being, which really she does. You know that would be my presentation. That would be my setup. I would just remove talking about the 
18 year history of that because it, again you know it, it, to me it, it just, it's a bullseye and it points out the what we know to be somewhat untrue and instead let's talk about what, what we know to be true and omit the things that are are um, false or or comes off as wrong you just do it in the reverse that's all and much the same way as you can say, and I'll, I'll use this example, some people will, will understand it. Chris Jericho had ran around for years and still does, really, saying, hey, I was the first ever undisputed champion, and I beat The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin in the same night, which is absolutely true. He did. They just omit the fact that in both of those matches, he had to cheat to do it, or somebody cheated for him. So he does do it in reverse, that's all, rather than bring up the, you know, Bring up something that's, I know they say the 18 years as a means to try to elevate uh, Jungle Girl, but, you know, just remove that, go in the opposite direction, and it works fine. So, anyway, I did, wasn't a big fan of that. <clears throat> the match in itself, uh, the, the, the show and matches top to bottom, perfectly fine. The finish, however... We, you know, and I'm getting, you know, I'm not doing the play-by-play -play for the matches here. The finish had uh, Hazard, who you could clearly see is, uh, I'm not going to say related to, but associated with Havoc, uh, coming to interfere in the match. So you got Havoc and Hazard. There you go. Ha -ha. Uh, and uh, Hazard, who some people would know as Nevaeh. She comes in and causes the DQ. Now, that goes back to what I said earlier. I didn't understand that finish because a triple threat match, by the nature of the match, generally means that there is no DQ. Somebody has to win it. You know, you can't really disqualify one-third of the match and then, you know, take it away from the other two. So, in... in, in in that, I didn't understand. I was like, you know, the referee calls it, and it's a no contest because Nevea interferes. Uh, did, didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I'll be honest. I, the, the, the finish of the match just kind of, I, I was lost there. I didn't, didn't, didn't care for it. Uh, so what we have there is Havoc's partner comes out and attacks Jungle Girl on the outside. Then the two of them go into the ring and then they attack the beast. Now, in this setup, I understand where we're trying to go. And what becomes clear, you know, by the end of the, the show where it's trying to go. Because as Havoc and Hazard are attacking the beast, Jungle Girl goes out. She grabs a chair and she goes in and runs the team of Havoc and Hazard off. So... Now we've got the Beast and we've got Jungle Girl kind of having an uneasy moment in the ring where we're opponents and we're, we're you know, uh, supposed to be at each other's throats, but yet and still you saved me. You saved me from harm's way, so what, you know, what now? That, that, that was kind of what we're left with. We're like, well, well, what are we doing now as we take, we run them off? So if, if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm guessing that it is leading towards a union of sorts between 
Jungle Girl and the Beast. And remember, folks, I, I, I was not there at any tapings. I don't have any sort of inside track to this. I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't got any spoilers. <coughs> uh, and I, I would imagine that Havoc and Hazard uh, are going to face off against that team at some point in time. Uh, the show also ended with Tessa Blanchard basically saying, oh, we don't have a, 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 a number one contender. I'll find my own number one contender. So they're, they're allowing Tessa to produce her own number one contender, which would be interesting. I'm sure that, uh, you know, storyline-wise, I would I would guess that she would just pick out the weakest person that she could find and like, ah, here's my number one contender if, if they want to go the funny route. So, uh, so I'm interested to see where that's going to go as well. I mean, I, I, I think... As far as a hook for the episode is concerned, it did fine. So we're leaving there wanting to know what's going to happen with this new union between uh, Jungle Girl and Beast. What's going to happen with the number one contendership for the uh, world's title with Tessa Blanchard. How, who, who is she going to pick for her, her uh, uh, opponent? I was about to say partner, but that's not correct. And uh, and again, I, I can I can't see this thing going and Havoc and Hazard not being in the tag team tournament. That it, it doesn't doesn't seem like that would be uh, uh, the thing to do to leave them out of it. You know, you, you got a tag team there, and again, they haven't released any brackets or anything like that. Which again, it goes back to what I was just talking about. It's like it, it seems like they would. They have this to uh, give themselves leeway on what they want to do and what they can and what they, you know, who we can include and who we can't. We can, we can switch and flop and do whatever we feel like it because there's, there's no brackets here. You can't tell, if, you know, if this is an even number of teams or not. Just, they'll just show up. <laughs> so, so uh, in any case, overall, the show is very enjoyable, easy to watch. It's, it's an hour worth of television. And it's a very digestible hour. Is That is one thing that you can say about this show that you do not get, especially on Monday night. Uh, it is an easy one hour uh, of, of wrestling that you can just, okay, let me sit down and watch this. All right, that was pretty cool. Uh, whether, whether you agree with everything on the show or not, just being able to do that is worth a wrestling show in and of itself. Uh, opposed to that three-hour marathon that you look at every Monday, I mean, I know why they do it, because the, the check's clear and the USA's paying for it. But, yeah, that, that one hour, man, that, that is, it is something to be said just to be able to watch an hour worth of wrestling and just move on. So uh, I, I hope that you enjoyed WOW like I did, despite the fact that I just disagreed with certain elements of it but I want to hear your comments uh, be sure to leave your comments about the, the show below what did you, you think of it uh, if anybody knows how to properly pronounce uh, Ray, uh, Ray's name outside of while please let me know because I I, I I just couldn't get it out I couldn't get my tongue to, to get the words out of my mouth so if you, if you know who she is let, let me know in the comments below uh, what did you think of the show? Who do you think is probably earmarked for the uh, Tag Team Championships? I'm going to go and say the Psycho Sisters are going to the finals. I need to see who else is in it, but I think it's a shoe-in that the Psycho Sisters are going to go to the finals and at least compete for the Tag Team Championships. And now, again, whether they become 
a Freebird type rule team having Mesmer because she did not wrestle. She was just kind of there on the outside and, and you're looking at her. She, Mesmer looks like she could be uh, Fury's sister legitimately. You know, you put some contacts in uh, Fury's eyes and, and have her stand next to Mesmer, they, they could probably look like they are uh, related. So, and, and now that I'm saying that, it's probably the whole point. So, anyhow. Comments below, folks. Tell me what you thought of the show. Uh, be sure to go and uh, like and subscribe to this podcast, wherever you may be finding it. Your support always helps, helps keep the podcast going, helps me be able to produce more videos and matches for those of you that tune in for the matches. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel to watch those matches, please do that as well. Women's Pro Wrestling Network. All, you know, you can just go in there and search that out. Hit the uh, subscribe button and click the bell so that you are receiving these notifications on YouTube whenever new things go up. If you are listening to this on a podcast format, it'd be three, whether that be iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, amongst others, we are available where you find your greater podcasts. Always available. All you got to do is just search out uh, WPN. It's WPN, and we will pop up. I think it's the first and only thing that does utilize that. So if you just search out WPN, you'll be able to find our podcast. Be sure to subscribe there. Leave your reviews and comments, particularly on iTunes. Leave your review there to get us up in the, the rankings. It always helps. And we leave a little shout out for you if you uh, notify me that you have. Uh, done so, if you, if you give me a, a, a little buzz or drop a comment or something like that and let me know that you're there, I'll be sure to shout that out in the, in the program. Also, if you have comments or questions, as we are going to open that up for you guys as we continue to interview more uh, young ladies of the wrestling world or the wrestling universe, uh, probably grab a couple of these wild girls as, you know, now that I'm talking about them, and if you're listening to that, who would you like to hear me get an interview with? Who in the WOW roster would you like me to grab a hold of and try to get some, some words with? Would you like to get me uh, Sarah the Rebel, who was just talking about the Psycho Sisters, who we now know as Razor? Uh, would you like me to try to get uh, Princess Ozzy or Ray Reyes or Fire or Jesse Bell Joe or, excuse me, I'm, I'm merging names now, Jesse Bell Smothers, a.k.a. Jesse Jones, let me know in the comments below or contact me directly at MrGreen75 at Hotmail.com. You can leave me your questions that I'll address on air or you can uh, make your suggestions directly there or you can contact me directly via Facebook at uh, Women's Crossing Network. Drop a message there. I'm, I'm always reading those which I get several of them, so just uh, be patient. I have to read through some of those DMs through uh, the Women's Person Network. So that's going to do it, folks. Make sure, comment, like, subscribe. Leave your, uh, your personal review down below. And we'll talk about that on the next podcast. So until then, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying we will see you on the next go-round.